Keep up the good work, my brothers. Keep them positive vibes flowing. Moonrider out. Want to give a quick shout out to Crypto Bubble for the video and the song. Um, just actually discovered this guy not too long ago. Pretty cool. He makes a lot of cool songs. Um, but uh, all right, let's get right into the podcast here. Here we go. Yeah. Hey guys, uh, this is Viking, and I uh, want to welcome you back to another episode of Keeping It Real with Viking and Mac Mac. And uh, today we have th- two special guests. Uh, we have Digital Assets Daily, a uh, really good friend of mine. Also another good friend of mine, uh, Nebula Matrix. Um, he's actually also a team member at uh, Safe Haven. So just wanted to kind of give you guys a little introduction. I'll let them introduce themselves and uh, kind of give you a little bit of background on them. And uh, we'll go from there. So hey, how's it going, everybody? My name's uh, my real name's Tyler Duson. My account's Nebula Matrix. Um, I'm head of community growth for Safe Haven, and I essentially just do outreach attempts, manage the community, make sure that everybody's happy, and uh, try to get new eyes on Safe Haven. Um, and I do a lot of other stuff in the background to try to help increase that as well, like in clubhouse and whatnot. But um, that's pretty much it in a nutshell, though. Uh, we got digital assets daily as well on here um hello hello everyone digital asset daily here just joining in um always love to talk to viking and have a good conversation and nice meeting uh you tonight as well um uh, it's always good to talk to you guys absolutely thanks for getting together with us 
Yeah, I think it'll be fun. It'll be exciting. Most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah, I really, um, you know, obviously we're uh, we're in a very special year. Uh, things are things are going to get pretty wild. I expect over the next six months. Um, but uh, yeah, this is this is our year, guys. This is what we've been waiting for. You know, for all of you out there that have been. Uh, kind of chugging along in the bear market and stuck it out and are still here with us you get to reap the special special rewards that we're gonna see this year and uh if you're still here i'm happy to have you along and uh <clears throat> you know there's still there's still a lot of things a lot of things coming out in the space every day um <laughs> sometimes it's 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 so hard to keep up with it's not even funny um yeah it's it's crazy on the, the amount of things that happen in crypto in just a few days time <laughs> compared to you know the traditional world it's pretty interesting Definitely. i know i know both of you guys know exactly what i'm talking about <laughs> you know you know it's funny with that is for people who have been around for a little while you know let's go back free i would even say even beyond 2019 it was literally you could probably find maybe one piece of of new content for your asset but literally as soon as we hit 2020 it's like someone flipped the switch and news just started going crazy and then just increased every single month after month after month and then into 2021 i think we're kind of spoiled you know comparing the two of having to search like vigorously to find new content to share and discuss, even as an investor, to know that your asset was still doing good to where we are today. It's every single day almost, at least it feels like it. There's such major news coming out. It's like, what can come, you know, how can you compete with what just happened today? And then tomorrow something bigger happens. So it's amazing. It really is. It really is. This space develops very fast. And I know, <clears throat> I know Tyler knows exactly, exactly what we're talking about because he's, he's behind the scenes doing all this stuff too. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah, it, it gets really, really crazy whenever you start seeing all the new sectors of crypto come into play. We had the DeFi sector boom, then we had the yield farming boom, we had the NFT boom. I mean, we're still in all of those booms right now, <laughs> but I mean, and then there was a lot of things crazy that happened on the on the swap platforms all the rug pulls uh crazy coins coming out people not doing research on certain things and yeah it's it's been a very interesting last last year to say the least <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah there's a there was a project that i wasn't you know that i previously did a video on that was pretty bullish on and actually i'm 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 uh glad to know that they are doing okay um for all you guys that you know seen the video it's uh vibeverse they uh they actually got delisted off of binance due to lack of liquidity but um <laughs> funny thing is they, their game actually the full game launches next week so that uh that could be pretty interesting uh that thing had back in 2018 Jeez, that thing went all the way to two dollars and forty cents, and it's still sitting at two pennies right now. 
that could that could be something else, especially with a max supply of uh, two hundred and sixty-two million. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Uh, so what are what are some projects that you guys are bullish on right now? Um, honestly, the main project that I'm bullish on right now is Balkan Paris. That's just because of my high involvement with that space and what we're doing as a community there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. That's definitely come a long way from, uh, you know, its early stages as well. I will say that it's definitely looking, looking really awesome, especially with the addition to uh, Shaman Village. Yeah, it's it's been exploding a lot faster than I thought it really would. Originally, we we entered in with just about seven guys from the Shaman Council that started like the Shaman Village Council. We all had about I don't know five to twelve pots each, and then we started getting addicted to the game, the, the game style, and how you can create lore and make NFTs out of the lore and then all, all that good stuff. So we were just like, all right, we got to expand. So each one of us slowly started getting more and more property. And then everybody started seeing what we were building and they, they, they wanted to be a part of it. So it, it just started getting exponentially bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and now we're at like, I think 1,039 plots. It's, it's like 10.3% of the whole the whole map. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's pretty wild. I remember, <clears throat> I remember, I, I took part in the uh, uh, what do you call it, the, the pre-sale, and because uh, if you were a V chain holder, you were able to take advantage of the pre-sale and get it, you know, the plots at a discount. Um, so I did that, and uh, I picked up picked up nineteen of them. Wow! But uh, I, you know, sadly to say, I, I personally. Just bought it to uh, make a few bucks. Not gonna lie, uh, it was. It's not it was only that cool. A lot of people did that. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody you know, has different strategies. Absolutely. You know, gotta gotta grow our bags somehow, right? <laughs> you can always come back. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, I plan to. That's the thing too. You know, the cool part is, is uh, you know, in the bear market. There's gonna be opportunities. You know, um, but. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I definitely. I know I definitely will not get them as cheap as I bought them for originally. That's a fact. Uh, plots were going for what a hundred dollars a piece. Yeah, you can get them as cheap as uh, seventy five dollars on that pre sale if you had the the X node on the first day. I believe yep. it was serving well. It was either seventy five or eighty five, something like that. Yeah, there's no way I'll ever buy them at that price again. <laughs> What's pricing on them now? Well, on average, they're going for about, you can get a really cheap plot for around 10,000 V-Chain. Um, but the most expensive plot known to date that sold was for around $4,900 back whenever V-Chain was around 2.3, like 2.3 cents. So if you do all the math of, of uh, exponential growth from V-Chain, comparison to the amount that it sold back then it's really a lot more than the 4900 it goes up to like shoot what 12 grand 13 grand something like that maybe more yeah we're almost triple that still holding now right yeah where do you like for example people who are going to hear that from 
like for my audience, how can, if someone's interested in something like this, how would, can they purchase it? How can they get involved or, or get this as an asset? It, it's actually really easy. Um, they have a marketplace. It's, it's an easy URL to remember. It's market.vulcanforge.com. And um, you basically connect your wallet. It could be a Comet wallet, or you can access it through the VeChain Thor mobile app through the Discover tab. And uh, yeah, so you sign access to your wallet to basically do the read and write thing. And then it'll have access to how much, well not have access, but it'll be able to recognize how much VeChain you have on your wallet. And then you can go to the wallet page to convert it to Fire, which is the, uh, the platform's currency to basically trade, buy and sell NFTs on that marketplace. And then that's pretty much it. You, you see how much uh, fire it's worth and it's it's, it's the equivalent to VeChain. So if it's like 10,000 fire, then it's 10,000 VeChain. You just gotta have 10,000 VeChain on the wallet. And then if you win the bid, then you win the plot or you oh, can buy cool. it. That's very cool. Yeah, not only that, you can actually make your own NFTs as well and sell them on the VRD uh, marketplace as well. Yeah, still... you did. Yeah, that's, uh, I thought that was really awesome. You know, some uh, <clears throat> some private artists come out and, you know, they, they can make their own their own digital art and auction it right on the uh, VRT marketplace. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Is yeah, that something yeah. they would do on, you said this is in the game, right? In the game? Uh, no, actually, it's a it's a whole separate thing. Well, it's it's kind of joined with Vulcan Verse, okay. but uh, yeah. it's you don't have okay. to be in the Just game to do it. Oh, okay, that's what I, that makes more sense. Interesting. Yep. yep. Yeah. So, so like the Variarity is a is a platform tied to Vulcan Forge and it has its own DAP ID number, and like each game within the ecosystem has their own DAP ID number, and that's how you can recognize where the NFT is from. And that's how it communicates in the MySQL database to where you could add certain clues, stats, um, you know, saying to where, oh, um, this this goes with this, this goes with that. Recognizing the smart contracts and be able to make things happen in the game. Um, all of that stuff. Oh, wow. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. the future is looking bright. <laughs> I mean, it's digitization and tokenization of everything. So... Uh, I mean, I understand. I mean, my kids, I have four kids, so they are all into gaming. So this is something, I mean, you can see the next generation is they're going to be raised into this. It's not going to be like having to learn like the older generation above us, how they're going to hear all of this. And it's just going to probably, you know, to be honest, it might even be a little bit frightening. Like, whoa, what's that? I don't even comprehend it. But the generation yeah. below us, I mean our kids they're gonna grow right into this and go oh yeah it's no big deal dad <laughs> <laughs> yeah yep. and, and that's what's so beautiful about it all too at the same time yeah it's amazing oh, yeah. i understand how big the gaming is it's huge yeah and it's, i don't see it slowing down growth wise either anytime soon yeah i agree so, i really don't that's another you know there's another uh, a lot of people liked engine coin for uh you know a gaming token or whatever but there's another one out there you know it's kind of flown under the radar for a really long time small market cap uh it's called ultra <clears throat> and if i'm not mistaken it's been a little while since i've actually uh looked into the information but last last i looked you know they had ubisoft um 
Dell, I believe, and Microsoft oh. backing them. And still, low market cap. <laughs> low market cap coin. It's crazy. Yeah, those are three pretty major companies there, too. So. <laughs> yep. Yeah, definitely. It's... There's a lot. There's a lot of stuff out there. It's it, it's almost impossible to keep up with everything. Yeah, well, it is. Yeah, I shouldn't say it's almost impossible. It actually is impossible to keep up with everything going on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's no way. The only way to get in in tune with everything that's going on is to talk about it with people who are from each little niche of the blockchain. Because yeah. like I, I've been really into the NFT phase because. I mean, just because what we're doing right now. Yep. So someone else is going to be into liquidity pools, trying to figure out which platform provides the best rates and layer two, for example. I'm still trying to figure out how all that works, but wait from my, the way I understand it is basically instead of having high gas, you, you only have to pay a couple cents for for providing liquidity to pools, making transactions and all that on the platform. It's a really really good concept to save the Ethereum uh, platform and whatnot. But I, I still want to learn more about it and see how all that works because it's very interesting to me. Oh yeah, definitely. It's like, well, Polygon's a layer two, two company, former mm-hmm. Matic. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's wild, man. It's wild. There's so many things out there. It's just it's mind blowing. And then you know the Binance Smart Chain. All the tokens launching on that thing, man, all the tokens that launch on there explode. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for fun request. Very, very excited for that one. Definitely. Yeah, that's the, for all you guys out there that are listening to this right now, um, that's actually a company that Safe Haven acquired and uh, revamped the whole, the, uh, the whole thing. Um, pretty interesting and they're they're uh gonna be on the they were gonna be running on the binance smart chain yeah fun, fun request is a is a really interesting project it, it basically allows developers um to put smart contracts on the platform that need code work done to them whether they just don't have time or they don't have that particular skill set and they need to outsource that work and it's like it's like a bidding program um the person basically puts in the amount that they're willing to fund the project for, and then whoever completes it first or agrees to it receives that amount. And that's pretty much how the whole platform is going to work. Yeah, that's that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome for sure. Yeah, it's that's like very a fiber cool. blockchain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one thing. You know, this is a good example. Tonight's conversation is I never understood the maximalism. To me, that's only hurting the person as for their knowledge or for their investment because you know for example this uh like tonight the three of us having this discussion i mean you guys are already discussing um information that i was unaware of you know i and the assets even uh for example safe haven you know i came to that through viking and that's i mean i've been blown away by it ever since it's been a great investment with amazing gains ever since i got involved and the whole VeChain ecosystem to me has just been a very amazing thing and exciting just to see globally, like the size of it is, it's very massive. And I think still a lot of people are unaware exactly at the impact it's going to soon have. That's for sure. 
Yes, <laughs> it's going to be really big. And, and hey, thank you for those kind words. I really appreciate it about the safe haven comments. Thank no, you. these are great. I mean, and that's another thing too. Um, once Viking got me involved, even as an investor into safe haven, you know, we've done a, I've discussed it in a few different videos, even recently. I, I'm, I'm a fan of the, the, the whole vision of, of what safe haven's doing. I mean, it's, it's got its own little niche and I think it's going to do very well. You know, you've got my support behind that. And I've already shared, you know, with, with our, um, our fan base, our subscribers and followers, they're quite aware of safe haven and even like direct messaging behind, you know, like Viking said it best, there's only so much that you can follow closely. So, you know, every channel, like you, you just mentioned, basically every channel kind of has their focus because you, you get too thin and too spread out. You're not going to know anything well. So what we tend to do is focus on the assets we're invested in. And then the people who follow us are invested in those assets as well. So we can stay focused and give great content and information on those. But beyond that extreme details, you know, it's been nice where uh, Viking has brought my vision a little broader because there's some assets you know for example i was a great fan of v chain he's like hey did you know ocean Rings? did you know safe haven he's like oh let me check into those <laughs> so you know i did as an investor and then i followed up and then learned that they were connected obviously to the v chain ecosystem v chain thor and how broad that system really is and it kind of expanded my vision as well for you know as an investor so again that's why i just can't comprehend how the maximalism for let's jump into different assets for example the ceo of ripple brad garlinghouse states over and over again we need all of the community the assets with like a basically a team a use case and utility it's going to take all of us to survive you know he's constantly says over and over and again and even the cto of ripple david schwartz states many times over where he says look the communities are too toxic he's like basically relax chill you know it's going to take more than just one asset it's not one uh when's the mall type of a, a scenario here it's going to take all of us because i think what a lot of investors do is they kind of get blindsided they put on blinders literally like they're a horse pulling a little a buggy down the street and they don't look around pay attention to the broad vision because there's not one asset, even tonight, like you guys are discussing, who can fill all of that need. There's not even enough supply or not even enough members on each of those teams to do everything in the whole tokenization, digitalization, like the DeFi, the NFTs, and everything else that's coming. And it's a broad thing. And I think a lot of these investors don't comprehend that from, you know, much less a business perspective or even how massive the whole like global position is foregoing digital. I don't think they quite comprehend it yet. They just saw an opportunity and dove in, hoping to be rich like tomorrow. But I think those who stuck around started learning and they realized, wow, there's a whole other system. Let me, as you know, the industry states, let me fill my bag of XRP, now move on. Let me fill my bag of XLM and then move on. Let me fill my bag of Safe Haven, of, of SHA. And I think that's, to me, the growth of not just the community and the like the ecosystem of digital assets itself but i think even as investors to me that's when you realize that investor is growing as a person for their knowledge and they realize wow okay this is much bigger than i ever imagined and i think that's where 
you know, as time goes along, for me, my personal exit strategy was always 2025. So as we go along, for me, closer to my goal, everything is just coming along so much faster, you know, where it was nothing happening and then boom, so much started happening and compounding and compounding over and again, even to the past two years, it's been pretty mind blowing. So I love this conversation tonight because you guys are like literally right on my page. And I think that's why I've always gotten along so good with Viking and I get excited when, you know, we have conversations each week or whatever. And he tells me something new because it's a whole focus that, you know, I can't um, spend time on because then I would get too thin with, you know, bringing great content to like my show, you know? Right. So I think this is amazing. I think you guys are awesome and doing an amazing job. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I always call if I, when I talk to anybody, uh, you know, and I, and I, you know, you're up, bring up, brought up in a conversation. I was telling everybody, you're the king of XLM. <laughs> yeah, he was telling me that earlier on the phone today. <laughs> I'm such a fan of Stellar and XLM. <laughs> if you don't you know, know what? Anything, this guy knows it about XLM. He's done <laughs> And it's so funny. It kind of, honestly, the whole Stellar thing, it was, it kind of stumbled on that one by accident, honestly. Um, as I came into XRP and the whole study and research of Ripple, I'd found um, basically connected either directly or indirectly to everything that was like cross-border, uh, like enterprise institution and wholesale on that level. And then you heard the executives constantly over and over and over describe, you know, we're for banks, we're for interbank, intrabank, cross-border, and it was always banks, banks, banks. So then I, I kept stumbling on, you know, a lot of investors saying it's going to be the global currency, and they were thinking more like replacing the dollar. But if you listen to the executives, they never really go at that angle because kind of like our discussion tonight, there's only so much you can do. You can pick which area you're going to target and be the best at that. But as far as the wholesale level of, of cross-border and like their focus heading towards derivatives, I mean, what they do, they do amazing. They just have the stumbling block of regulatory clarity. And I think what a lot of people don't understand as an investor, from my perspective, what I think they don't understand it isn't that Ripple or XRP isn't compliant. They've been compliant from day one. That's why a lot of the Bitcoin maxis never liked them because they're like, they're not decentralized enough. They're a centralized currency. But that's, as Brad has always stated, if we're going to succeed, that's what we need to do. We need to be regulated and clear from all that. But I think the miss, in my opinion, the misinterpretation of people have of that is the regulatory clarity for the banks to be able to use it because it's a different... It's a thin line from almost contradictory for me, what I'm saying, but there is that thin line where banks are like, I want to use it. And as far as I know, I'm clear, but I don't want to get fined. You know, if I start using this and what if I'm fined and you can see the USA, how they basically just delisted and backed away too. They were afraid like, oh man, now I'm going to get fined for if they're labeled security. But we all know like Ken and EOS, they paid a fine and moved on. Even the same day, even their prices went up immediately once they like received that, okay, you're a security, here's your fine, pay it and move on because obviously you're not today what you were yesterday. And so in all of that research, trying to make sense of all of it is, you know, is this a good investment? Should I be frightened? I learned by 
in a massive way, there's no reason to be frightened. And I should hold this because it's going to be huge. And eventually the price is going to match its value. It's going to increase significantly. But during that research, I kept stumbling on Stellar because people back then were saying, you know, Stellar and Ripple are competing. But to me, it never made sense because Jed McCaleb, you know, he, I'm going to say this roughly in bad terms for a new investor to hear. Basically, he helped build Ripple, which is XRP, and then he helped build Stellar, which is XLM. So you have the same guy building two different things. And initially, Stellar was a fork, and I know the Stellar people are going to attack me for that. But after forking off, he did upgrades and he did changes where it became its own like network. It became different than he initially did when he left. Right. But I kept finding it everywhere, all over the place. And then... You know, being into XRP, a lot of people were saying, you know, XRP is everywhere. And they, they were correct. And they said, you know, Stellar only has IBM. But I don't think how big people realized back then that it was because IBM was connected to 97% of every major bank. And that's massive. But then you have IBM, which connects to Linux and connects to Red Hat and connects to Hyperledger. And then it based its, you know, financial system on the blockchain off of Stellar. So then it connected, you know, Stellar to Hyperledger and it became an associate member actually of Hyperledger. And then it just kept going and I couldn't even stop finding it everywhere. So then I became such a fan of Stellar, like Viking said, because it was the surprise. It was like, I'm looking everywhere for XRP and Ripple and then why do I keep finding Stellar? And then I learned that Ripple's focus was wholesale and Stellar's was retail. Ripple is focused on like enterprise and institutions and the wholesale level derivatives, etc. Where Stellar was designed more of the unbanked, the retail, the underbanked. And together they kind of made a, a full team. And as the previous CEO of Chain said, before they were acquired by Stellar and through Interstellar and all, um, he said, you know, I believe now that we're in different lanes. And that, you know, basically there is no competition. And I think he said it best because research would support what he said. And it shows that they're both for what they do. There's not a lot of other assets who are focused on that uh, specific market. You know, you have other ones focused in different areas, but not immediate competition with either of them. So they just stood out and I was blown away. <laughs> yeah, it's a good way to put it. And, and I think to carry off on that, even when you are talking about other currencies that kind of do the same thing. The way I like to think of it is all these banks use different SWIFT codes, right? So what's stopping them from using different currencies? Everybody's got a different preference, you know? So we're, we're going to notice that even though that there's some competition rising, there's plenty of business to go around for all these currencies and, and tokens. So uh, Absolutely. I think we're very early is what I'm trying to say. I agree with that. I agree hundred percent. And what I, I'd found in research over the past few years, you know, like World Economic Forum, Christine Lagarde, through the IMF, through the Federal Reserve, um, obviously there was some delays. And I think that's where even Brad Gollinghouse was thrown off, the CEO of Ripple. But like their, their focus too was 2025. For me, I'd broken down the system and I even had a pretty solid discussion with Viking a few times about this, how like the... The crypto world, the digital assets tend to have a four-year cycle for like the bull runs. It doesn't mean that they're not small ones in between, but it means the big ones are basically hitting on the four-year cycle. 
And then, you know, you go back to when Bitcoin started, it was because 2008, the economic crash, it, it was huge and it affected the world. So then 2009 started like the, the immediate response of like Bitcoin. Then you had 2013 and then 2017 and now 2021 were the next, you know, huge bull run. Cause I mean, go back before this year, I mean, we saw Bitcoin last year hit, what was it like 3,600 or give or take? It got as low as that. Now we're looking at around 50,000 per Bitcoin. That's yep. pretty bad. And that leads me to the next question that I had for you specifically. Me, me and Viking were talking over the phone earlier and we, we were talking about, you know, when is the cycle going to happen to where there's so much DeFi going on and the ecosystem is so stable that there's not going to be those 60, 70% don'ts whenever the bull market's over. And it's gonna start acting more like, um, I, I hate to say it, but but the little dumps in, in the stock market whenever they happen, like to where it starts being 20 to 30%. I, I personally think it's not gonna be this next wave, but the wave after, because DeFi still gotta grow a little bit more. W what's your opinion on all that? Do, do you think it's even possible that we're, we're gonna get to that stage to where there's not big, big dumps? You know, I really do. And I, I'm gonna almost contradict myself with the answer. And here, and I'll explain why. And I kind of had this conversation earlier uh, too with Viking. Is it's kind of like here's what I think. 2021, I think, is the turning point year. I think 2020 was the year of digital assets because they exploded to the world. But here's what I believe. And I mean, there's a. I'm just gonna dive in because it's kind of one of those things where I can give you both sides of why I think I can almost contradict myself with this year. And here's the way I look at it. This year, I believe we're going to get the regulatory clarity. And an article I discussed in video earlier and I, I shared on, um, on Twitter and on our Patreon is today an article came out about um, like basically Congress and it's a, it's a bipartisan deal that's going on. They want to get regulatory clarity, like basically ASAP. They want it now. They understand that, that China's uh, digital currency now is, is taking off. And if they don't hurry up, they're going to get left behind, meaning the USA. And yeah. USA doesn't like to get left behind in a technology world. That's, I mean, that's something they try to stay out in the front, the forefront for that. But here's my, my perspective, and I'm gonna connect it again with the internet boom and a statement that Chris Larson, one of the original uh, co-founders of Ripple, what he had stated. He did an interview, uh, let's see, I believe it was, I believe it was last year. It could have been the beginning of this year, but you know how time just kind of gets blurry when we've had this huge, like the issue that we've gone through globally. And I won't say it out loud because I don't want to flag this video, but I call it the issue at hand <laughs> because it's, uh, if you say one word, it gets banned or you get your, you, yeah, it's like the flag. <laughs> but the whole issue that people are having health issues, that issue. As soon as that hit, I think it delayed, but I think it was also, you know, whether it was part of the plan or whatever, I'm not going to go into that side of, of the issue, but let's just say factually, it became part of the reason that we're moving to digital assets. They became during this time, you know, if you touch something, it's got germs, etc. And now cash, you know, it's got germs. If you touch coins, it's got germs. So let's move digital. You can stay at home. You don't really have to go to the bank. You don't need to use your checks because they might have germs. So moving into that, 
was kind of a great setup for where we are, regardless of the intent behind it. I mean, if we're invested in this, we're ready for this to happen. We know this is the future. Let, let's go ahead and move forward. Use your excuses however you want. You know what I mean? Meaning the people who control currency, etc. So here's my my thought. I think this bull run is a mixed bull run. I believe it's not going to make more sense until we get closer to Q4 because there's still a lot of things that are being set up. But I think a lot of behind the scenes really are already built, like as we call it, the plumbing for this to go. And then the whole, you know, cliche flip the switch thing. I think it's really that ready, but I think for whatever reasons, there are some of the banks who are a little lagging behind and it's, it's causing the delay for all of the entire system. But I feel that as we get through 2021, I believe it's going to be the last speculative bull run, but the beginning of the utility bull runs. I think they're going to kind of cross like an X in this year. And then here's what I believe. Where Chris Larson said um, in an interview, he stated, um, I believe he said it last year, actually, I remember clearly. He said last year, I believe we were around 1995 to 1996 of the internet boom. And if you think of that timeline, if you give last year to 1995 and this year, let it be 1996 of the internet boom, it was basically a four year solid boom. And that would align perfectly with, you know, World Economic Forum, IMF, Federal Reserve's timeline of 2025 being the full market. What they had stated in 2019 was, there was about 1% of the global population at that time that was connected to using and, you know, aware and knowledgeable of digital assets, digital currency. But their goal, thinking of 2019 to 2025 being their full market maturity, was they wanted 90% of the global population using digital assets by 2025 but they weren't going to fully go cashless. I think it was until like 2030, 2040. They were going to just make it as they've already begun in Australia, trying to make a, you know, no cash usage over $10,000. Anything beyond that needed to be digital. And that's where you started seeing that popping up in my research. You know, it all started with Australia on the 10,000 or below for cash, go digital beyond that. And it started happening globally in random other countries as well. But I believe into your conversation of when is it going to begin if there's not further delays and if we can move beyond the crazy like political i call it like a political circus that we're having because it's yeah it's been the most unusual political season of my lifetime you know so i think once we move beyond that that'll eliminate these delays and that's why i still think this is the ending of the speculative bull run and the beginning of the utility because i think we're going to get clarity before the end of this year which would launch into the being able to be used in the use case of, you know, assets like XRP, et cetera. And there are other ones that are kind of waiting to see what happens to Ripple so they can fall in their lead and kind of get and catch that current and swim, you know, without so much friction behind them. So I think what's going to happen, as Chris Larson said, if you think of 1996 being this year, 1995 being last year, that would be a four solid years of growth. and. What my theory was is sort of a stair step. You know, I think we're going to go up, go sideways, go up, go sideways. There might be those moments where we have drops, but I don't think they're going to be going into 2022. And I'll explain why. I don't think they're going to dump like we had before, you know, where we would see 
in a year, like 36,000% or even in stellar 14,400% gains in 2017, Ripple was, or XRP was the one that had 36,000% gains. And I don't think we're going to see those to like a 98% dump any further because now they're necessary. And if you know, in 2022, uh, as the famous Brad Garlinghouse clock said, 222, and then you know that ISO 20022 begins next year, and then the Fed now and a few other, um, uh, what do you want to call it? I guess you could say government systems are going to, you know, go live on these digital assets. And there won't just be one, like you said, there will be multiple, you know, for example, like NEM, uh, NEM or their ticker is XEM. I mean, they've been a central bank digital currency for Venezuela and Lithuania for the past few years. And even still, a lot of people are unaware of that. And then you have, you know, example like Stellar even had been uh, for Iran. They have a gold back digital asset named Paymon, and it's also built on Stellar. So you have you know, central bank digital currencies all around that are built on assets already. But I feel like because the entire system's not quite ready, and I believe this whole issue at hand with the, you know, the health thing that's going on and then the political thing that's going on, I think it delayed everything for a year. So that's where there's going to be a little conflict in, you know, the pattern of trying to solve it. But I think still, I think it's urgent and emergency now because they need liquidity. I mean, this whole yeah. health issue has just crashed economies around the world. And I mean, what's the thing they're doing now is like stimulus to give people like monthly incomes to get through this because they lost their job and a lot of the companies they were working for are closed down now permanently. So now the big thing is like, how are they going to survive in, you know, so like a supply and uh, feed their families and and basically get by with their debt, with their bills and their daily necessities. So now they're going to need some kind of a, a, a digital income basically, because they're not going to be up there to physically produce it. So that's kind of where I'm at. I didn't mean to go so long with that. I just, uh, problem. I, I, you're good. You're good. I love the conversation. <laughs> and all the conversation. I just really see it this year, kind of crossing the end of a speculative dying as the end of the year comes forward closer to q4 and then i see as we get closer to that the beginning on the rise of the utility because i'm pretty confident by then you know on the standard bull year or bull run year there would have to be the rest of the altcoins probably will start moving you know summer around summer give or take maybe fall and then you're going to see you know, following the normal standard cycle, assets like Ripple and Stellar, or I should say XRP and XLM around Christmas, and they're probably going to launch their, you know, their high, uh, I, sh I expect to see them pass their all-time highs around then and maybe overflow into next year. And that's where I feel that it's going to connect, as you said, then if anything, it's going to reach a peak and stabilize and go sideways and then hit another peak and stabilize and go sideways. And I believe, you know, a lot of investors are going to see their, their points before then and probably bail out before um, they get to see the real heights. The, you know, to be honest, the life-changing, the generational incomes come through. And like the, the standard investment rule is 99% of every investment will never see its, um, the full potential. And I, and I don't think that's a negative. I just think what happens is 
they make the amount that they mentally like were ready to exit on. And so they left early, not knowing that it was going to go so much higher. Great point. That's a very great point. <clears throat> yeah, there's, there's a, so what'd you think about that, Tyler? Yeah, no, no, I agree with that. I think a lot of people are going to be getting that because they thought it was going to be the top, but it's just going to end up leaving them because a lot of strong fundamentals and, and big players coming in. I mean, we've been seeing it happen left and right. Um, one big player that kind of has me concerned that entered the uh, Bitcoin space and whatnot is BlackRock. They're, they're known in the stock market for, for short and big firms and, and all that <laughs> stuff. So. Uh, I'm just hoping that we don't see more big players like that enter in the accumulation phase. And then once they get all the way up at the top, try to conquer us down. Because the, the other thing that's got me concerned big time is PayPal. It, yeah. You know, they, they just keep on compiling all the Bitcoin. It's kind of like a Ponzi scheme for themselves. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's, it's real money going in and out. But the people buying the Bitcoin through that platform never actually obtain a private key to store it on it. It's just stored within the the wallets of paypal and then whenever the people want to get their money out they're based paypal is basically giving them fiat for the bitcoin so they keep the bitcoin at all times right that's yeah. to me, reckless that's reckless to not have your private keys yeah i can see yeah and that is interesting like you said because what was the whole thing that paypal made the news for it was something about you could invest on uh paypal and buy bitcoin but you couldn't remove it or something you couldn't hold actually hold the key that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, you can buy Bitcoin through their platform, but whenever you buy the Bitcoin, you can only use it online to pay for stuff with Bitcoin. And if you want to sell your Bitcoin or whatever, it's it, it stays in their wallet. They just give you fiat for it. It's like you, you can't get your Bitcoin and then go sell it on an exchange or put it in a liquidity pool or, or whatever you want to do with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty wild. I thought you were going to say George Soros, but... <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you guys seen that yet but apparently he's entered bitcoin now and uh i don't know if you guys remember or not but uh a lot of people are mad because uh a lot of people believe that uh you know obviously it's market cycles and charts and everything else but uh, I remember when I first got into the space, everybody was pissed off at George Soros because he made a tweet and basically said, you know, digital currencies are useless, this, that, and the other. And then the next day, everything dumps. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> oh, man. Funny. It's Good time. Take the opinions of certain people so, so right. highly. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, Elon Musk, Bitcoin. I mean, perfect. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> uh, Dogecoin, you know? I mean, jeez. Yeah. So many so many wild things have happened over the last two years. And it's kind of funny how you were mentioning uh, Digital Assets Daily about, uh, <laughs> about how everything kind of blurs together. I feel like these last two years just kind of ran together. It's, it's insane. <laughs> It's absolutely nuts. Yeah. <clears throat> it is what it is. But uh, we're here, right? We're here to stay. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Every day is a good day that we're here. Absolutely. And hey, as long as you have an inheritance plan established, 
even if you're not here the next day, all is well. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, you should quickly mention that. Isn't that a, a safe haven, like a, a thing that it offers as well? Inherity, is that how you say it? Yeah, Inherity. That, that's actually our flagship product. Um, currently, we have the community edition available. It allows a user to input any type of critical data, whether it's private keys, monomic phrases, maybe grandma's secret recipe. And all the critical data is like encrypted and fragmented into multiple shares, which are then stored on cold storage devices, which are which are our uh, safe key hardwares. And um, yeah, so it costs like 10,000 SHA plus 2,000 SHA per backup. And you have your whole decentralized inheritance plan established. Oh, that's awesome. Very awesome. And uh, yeah, there's some exciting, exciting things uh, going on, you know, in, in the space in general, and especially with Safe Haven, Fund Request, uh, you know, and even some of the partners of Safe Haven, like uh, Digibyte, uh, Polygon, former known as Matic, um, and One Harmony. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of exciting stuff going on, but. Uh, I think hey, the most exciting thing is the uh, Inheriting Mobile app. I hate, I'm sorry to cut you off, Dustin, but I just wanted to mention the Inheriting Mobile app and how it's going to really allow us to expand. Um, we're, we're currently building a mobile application that allows the user to essentially whitelist the, the safe ID for their heir and benefactor. And then whenever their heir and benefactor goes to retrieve their plan shares, they just log in with their safe ID through the application and click a few buttons to claim the plan shares. And the reason why that's gonna be very beneficial is not everybody has the extra money to go buy the safe keys or some people just wanna use a mobile um, method instead. And what's good about it is it's 100% decentralized. It's not like uh, any type of plan shares have to be stored within the back end like other mobile applications that offer those type of things. So just, just to clarify, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good way to give mass adoption needs for the, um, the Inheriti platform. Absolutely. Yeah. I did. I, I was going to mention Inheriti mobile app, but I, I didn't know if you really wanted to go into that, but I mean, now that you broke on that, I mean, uh, last week's update, you know, you had safe swap in there too. Oh yeah. That's, that's going to be really big. I'm, I'm excited for that because of our involvement with Binance Smart Chain right now with the fund request and then later pin block. Um, so essentially SafeSwap is going to allow users to swap one platform token for the other. And it's it's going to be like the, the cross, the, the first step of bridging and, and cross chain pretty much for, for Safe Haven. So it's, it's a really, really big step for us and it's going to open up a lot of new opportunities. Oh yeah. And oh, that's awesome. It's still only a half a penny, so y'all better get on it and buy it, because uh, it ain't going to be this price very much longer. Just saying. Where can they get it if they're interested? Um, actually, you can... The, the best place, in my opinion, just my opinion, to get the best liquidity is KuCoin. You can, also, you can also buy it on Ocean EX, but the liquidity is better on KuCoin. And let me tell you, I will say KuCoin Exchange has impressed me over these last, you know, six months. 
they've really really stepped it up uh on their exchange definitely and i don't know if you guys remember earlier last year uh kucoin got hacked but they weren't able to get safe haven yeah so that's uh, oh that's good <laughs> that's always a uh it's always a good thing to know and the hack wasn't even too severe they, they ended up making sure everybody got their stuff back which is really cool it didn't end up like a mount god situation <laughs> right 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 yeah yeah I think if, it, if it ended up like that i don't, I don't think kucoin would be standing right now but no in my yeah. opinion i really i really like kucoin they've they've really uh over the last six months they've really stepped it up and tell you what i really enjoy using that platform definitely definitely enjoy using the kucoin one other exchange that uh, might be very beneficial to the XRP community is BitRoot. We have a, a, a shy by XRP pairing there. Repeat that one. What's the, which one? BitRoot. Oh, BitRoot. Okay. Yep, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I was actually uh, I was pretty uh, pretty excited when I seen that you guys had listed on there. Uh, that was a long, long time ago, but. Uh, yeah, I was, I was pretty excited about that. And then I seen that they listed EHRT too. And I was like, oh, no kidding. Wow. But I will say, not financial advice, but be careful with BitTrue. Um, I have, me personally, just my personal opinion, I've seen prices that weren't so accurate across other exchanges. That's all. I'm, I'm not going to really go into too much more detail, but... That's why I said Google. <laughs> but yeah, they do have an they do have an XRP pair though for for uh, Safe Haven over on uh, Betru. So but yeah, yeah. I uh, I don't know. I really don't like to bash exchanges, but it is what it is. I kind of I have to call it how I see it, you know. I hear you. I don't have any problem with telling the truth and all that. No, I think uh, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I agree. If you have an experience, you got to share it because then it makes everyone else more aware to, you know, that it could happen. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It is what it is. You know, I've heard, I've heard a lot of stories, but um, I just try to, if I can, I stay clear. <laughs> I'll uh, say a little story that, uh, that, that happened to, to somebody that I know. Um, this, this is more, more towards, Kucoin and whatnot. So, so like they didn't ever KYC their account, right? And yep. they forgot their trading password. And the only way that you can reset that is if you have your account KYC'd apparently. So there's some things to remember. <laughs> no good, no good. I mean, look, that's, that's nothing against Kucoin or that, that's not their fault. I mean, yeah, yeah. no, just the technicality, that's, technical, that's all. Yeah, yeah. Just the technicality. But yeah. Um, so, I want to talk about uh, another asset, actually, that uh, I kind of been just, you know, mentioning to, to some people in the space. And, you know, uh, it's very interesting. Uh, Terra Virtual, since we were talking about NFTs earlier, uh, that's a very 
very very interesting one um and i've talked to i've talked to russ on the team personally or whatever um actually funny enough so mac i actually heard it from him and that's how i actually found i heard of them before and then i started kind of looking into it and i was like holy moly this thing paramount pictures and legendary films back then so that made me interested so i you know reached out to the team and uh was talking to russ and russ is a super awesome guy um but uh yeah if you guys uh you guys are interested in you know you got some chips set aside for maybe another asset you've been looking to maybe pick up you might want to look into tvk um there's a lot of other stuff out there that i'm actually researching right now um but <clears throat> can't really give any I, i'd rather not give anything away yet because i'm not really 100 solid on it yet but uh yeah there's a lot of good stuff out there guys there's definitely a lot of good stuff out there and uh yeah that's uh, I'd, like, I'd like to carry carry on on that tv tvk topic really quick okay yeah by all means one thing that i like about the whole concept with tvk and being partnered with uh paramount pictures and the legendary films mm-hmm. is that all the different movies that they're making nfts of they're they're like going to be the licensed official nfts and there's only going to be a limited amount of them so you've got pacific rim the godfather lost in space um a a whole bunch of other ones and and all this stuff is really cheap over there right now i was looking at it not too long ago yeah but yeah it's it's not really like long i don't think because you got to really look at the the rarity of these items these are these are well-known films that us and our parents and grandparents grew up watching and, and, yep. and play on yeah like replay amc channel Major. all that non-stop so whenever whenever there's only one version of that that can be created and, and you go obtain that nft and you have it on your wallet and who knows possibly protect it with a decentralized inheritance plan where you know that your heirs never lose it then that value for so long if it oh, just in that private wallet yep. don't even look at it for like three generations and the grandkids pull up that wallet one day holy cow <laughs> worth millions like a Picasso yeah. painting yep yeah, yeah that the way you just put that I think is pretty amazing because that is a, a really amazing way I, I think a lot of more people should know the little you know like you said the safe haven like the Am I saying it right? Inherity? Yep. Yeah, Inherity. That is amazing. And there you can see, you know, going back to the maximalism thing. If their maximalism is going to blind them from seeing this discussion. Because, I mean, imagine using that safe haven, the, the Inherity, and connecting, like you just said, with the TVK. Right. That's amazing. Absolutely. And you would never even consider that option or even be aware of it if, you know, if you didn't look at other, you know, utility use case and assets that are basically going to be successful. Yep. I love that you just connected that. That's, I mean, that gives both a life to both of those assets right there, the TVK and like safe haven and heritage. Yep. You can see right there, like you, your example is amazing. Thanks, man. And, and, and I can actually take it a step further with one of the products within inherent It's 
It's really, really beautiful how the vault is going to work. The vault is capable of storing large documents, whether it be hundreds of pages in a, in a Microsoft document or PDF, or a very large video. So let's say TVK wanted to make a whole movie of The Godfather and only make a thousand copies of it. And then they just put it in the, and then they made it to where it was compatible with the vault to where it could be stored that type of way. I mean, the, the sky's the limits with decentralized inheritance and decentralized NFTs to where nobody ever has access to it unless if you don't want them to. Absolutely. Not only that, but so you guys remember growing up and uh, looking through old photo albums and things like that. You'd be like, oh, damn. I know I had some pictures. I know I had some other pictures here. I wonder what happened to them over the years, you know? Uh, well, now you can actually store those with Inherity as well, which is awesome. Like, you know, yeah, a last a letter. Yeah, a last letter to your loved ones, a last video to your loved ones. I mean, the possibilities are endless, guys. So just, uh, just kind of think outside the box a little bit and, um, you know, let your imagination run wild. Because anything information related you can actually store on Inherity. So that in itself is absolutely amazing. And a game changer. <laughs> and a game changer. But yeah, the TVK is yeah, I, ex I I expect very, very, very uh very good things from them. Um, they do have the King Kong Godzilla NFTs launching at the end of the month yes. uh, for, the, for the new movie. Um, that's going to be, that's going to be crazy. I think I'm going to try to get me one just to say, cause that's in my opinion, that's going to be their biggest, not first launch of NFTs, but it's going to be their biggest first launch, you know? So, in my opinion, I think those things could be could be quite the collector's item, you know, even a decade from now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, especially with the with the popularity of those two titles in specific, right. yep. the remakes, everything, yep. all of the books. It's really funny because, like, with the NFTs, I kind of look at it. I don't know if you guys were into uh, collecting baseball cards or anything like that when you were younger, yeah, but like no. this is. This is like the digital version of that, but way better, obviously. You don't have to worry about getting them all bent up and losing value. <laughs> right. <laughs> I would have had all my cards saved. Ooh, I see it all the time on, on TV or videos. Oh, this little bitty Pokemon card going for 30 grand, 50 grand. I'm like, what? I have like 12 of those. <laughs> right. Yep. 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 I, did. I do have a question though diving back into like Inherity um, yeah. kind of a two part question um, with that I noticed you know for example like the Comet Wallet is that something that you download to like your PC to your cell phone or your mobile whatever like I the actually Comet have a browser I oh, you're talking go ahead Tyler yeah that's a down that, that's a plug in extension the, okay. the Comet Wallet's a browser extension plugin for the uh, for for the internet, like for the computer for Google. Okay, follow you. And then the other Last part, words. the two part, was like the safe key. Now, 
explain a little bit of that, if you don't mind. Like the, uh, like the... Yeah, so the safety? Yeah. I'm sorry, is that something it was cutting necessary? Out, you're sorry, is that something necessary to have? Like, do you have to have that with inheritance? Because I know it's like a, a compatible device, you know, for the custom share storage, the distribution. But I didn't know if that's something, is that similar yeah, to so like a, a ledger or something, or is it not necessary? It keeps cutting out whenever you're talking, but but, but I don't question what you're saying. Um, the, the safe key, yeah, that's that's what stores the plan shares for inheritee, and that is inspired for uh, for using the, the community edition platform. Now, when we come out with the mobile application, that's just going to be a way for the heirs to retrieve the plan shares that are going to be stored queue, like a 100% protected queue. And the only way to get in it is by have uh, the proper login credentials that's whitelisted whenever the uh, inherent the inherent T plan is created. Basically, allow more means of storing the plan shares to where you're not just limited. And also, I know I'm throwing a lot at you all at once, but we're coming out with the upgrade, and it's going to basically be the. Uh, what is it? It's like the USB-C. It's going to be a safe key that's basically allowed to be, to be plugged into phones to where you could do backups that way too. And uh, also, it's going to have a lot more support. Yeah, so like, because we, we have the safe key desktop tool backing up each plan share on safe keys. Like, let's say if you wanted to take duplicate of all the plan shares. You can go buy the same amount of safe keys, plug in the air safe key, just in case some of them are lost and whatnot. Um, so it's gonna be the same concept with the new safe keys to where they can plug into the phone to retrieve shares for the inherited mobile storage plan. Um, and it's also gonna have a lot more data storage to where the uh, amount of critical data that you're storing within inheritance plan is a lot larger. Wow. <laughs> yeah, this and and this thing's still at a half a penny. Blows my mind all day every day. <laughs> but yeah. hey, that's how that's how that's how it works though. You know, um, all it's gonna take is one. In my opinion, all it's gonna take is you know somebody somebody massive to come along and and see this thing and uh it's gonna light up light up the universe <laughs> <laughs> well we, we did recently hire uh, ar marketing and they're gonna start getting some articles put out some good media and we did recently onboard david kerr he's gonna be very very helpful with providing infographics and ensuring that we have uh, better communication with marketing and providing a, a streamlined product page to where basically think of a roadmap but it, for the products to where it shows everything about the products how they work where we're heading towards next what's been accomplished that type of stuff yeah and for all you guys out there that are listening um actually if you're a part of the safe haven telegram um you get up they update the community every single friday on fund request and safe haven topics 
So I don't, you know, what? there's not many projects that updates, give you updates every week, which I think is very, very nice and very awesome. Um, you know, cause they don't have to do those type of things, but you know, they like, they like keeping a, uh, the safe haven community is a tight knit community. Let's put it that way. Um, and they, you know, they really, it's a community, you know, that's, that's how, you know, this asset has gotten as far as it has because, you know, everybody sticks together. Everybody kind of, everybody that's in, uh, involved, you know kind of does their fair share as well you know to uh promote it and you know tell people about it spread awareness you know which i think is really awesome and you know we didn't even touch on nodes yet um nodes are a whole another thing um you know you got a connect node at 1 million harbor node at 2.5 you have a consensus node at 10 million and then you have a legacy at uh, 30 million and <clears throat> once the utility really gets ramped up from the business edition, um, your rewards are 56% on a legacy node, 32% on a consensus node, 8% on a harbor node, and 3% on a connect node. Um, so, <laughs> and you'll be earning safe haven, you know, just reoccurring it every single month. Um, in the future that's going to be absolutely huge and then you know as of right now you know how it works is of all the utility 20 percent gets burnt and 80 percent of the utility goes to all the node holders that's how that's how they distribute the rewards which is absolutely amazing in itself you know um <clears throat> but yeah there's there's a lot about safe haven. There, it's not. It's not a quick conversation. <laughs> not a quick conversation by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, but yeah. carrying off those nerd rewards, um, FND will also be one, and, and possibly BNB. Yep. Because that's going to be platform tokens, and um, that's why safe swap is going to be so beneficial because you're going to have some node holders that want to swap one for more Shaw or some that want to swap more shop for more FND or BNB or whatever other products we add to our ecosystem as we continue to expand. Which is going to be awesome, you know, because Polygon's in that ecosystem as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, exciting times, exciting times. But uh, did you have anything you wanted to add, uh, Digital Assets Daily? Oh, man, I've, I've been enjoying this as well. <laughs> <laughs> It's been nice. I mean, it's it's helped me with some of my uh, questions, you know, even again with Safe Haven and even just discussing, you know, inheriting, even though, you know, the knowledge of knowing what it does, hearing the example, it sparks it off a lot more uh, fresh in your mind, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, it's a lot of a lot of information to absorb. It really is. It really is. <laughs> I can help break down how the uh, how the security of it all works with the decentralized inheritance process, if you want, real quick. Sure, go through because I mean, there might be more people listening here. Like, you know, this is something I'm interested in. You know, for their personal use case as well. So I think it's important. Okay, yeah. So Inheritee is a Web three platform, 
and it's, it's fully decentralized. And basically whenever the critical data gets inputted into the inheritable data dialog box, all of it's encrypted. And whenever it gets encrypted, it gets fragmented. And the amount of shares that it gets fragmented depends on how many heirs are gonna be included within the plan. So let's use an example. Let's say that you have three heirs. So what would happen right away is one validator share would be created because that's for the dead man switch. And the dead man switch is essentially what protects your inheritance from getting online too early. So let's say your three heirs want to plug in their safe keys and unlock the inheritance plan while you're still alive. You'll get an email notification, phone call, or whatever you set up for the dead man switch. And if you don't respond in X amount of time, then that validator share gets unlocked. And then that's the final key to the puzzle. So backtracking to how many plan shares get created, two shares get created per key. So for the example given with three heirs, one validator share, and then two times three is six, so seven. And then if you wanted to create backup shares as well, each backup share is an additional two shares. So the validator share is also stored on the blockchain. Everything else, cold storage. Oh, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> it definitely sounds secure. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was audited by uh, Red for Sect, and they validated that no critical data is stored within the backend. Yep. 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 That's a, that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. You know, like, and so, and and I think what the the most important thing is too is the government can't even confiscate it because Safe Haven can't even confiscate it. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> it's uh <laughs> it's truly decentralized truly truly decentralized and that's very very important in my opinion um especially uh in the coming years you know especially in the coming years but uh yeah it's it's really interesting i, th I think honestly we, we should probably do this again guys um because you know we didn't even we didn't even really, you know, touch on everything I wanted to. Um, and obviously a great conversation, but uh, yeah, I definitely think we should do, we should all get together and do this again sometime soon. And, uh, you know, we can talk about whatever. doesn't matter. It doesn't even have to be about Safe Haven or whatever. It can be just about anything. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever you guys yeah. are bored. <laughs> Yeah, count me in. I'm down. That's, I wouldn't even mind seeing a part two of even the safe haven. We could finish uh, giving everyone a lot of information on that. Absolutely. You know, I'm a fan. I'm an investor. Thanks to Viking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you for being a long-term supporter. Thank you. Yeah, thank. I mean, that's a you're welcome, and that's a thank you to Viking. A double thanks to him. <laughs> yes. He got me in that a little while ago uh, last year. I think it was. Probably almost a full year, I think, if yep. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, should and be. And then I, uh, I just got a handful back then and just kind of held on it and kind of researched throughout the time and learned a lot about it and found it actually more impressive the more I dug into it and uh, found it kind of had its own lane. There wasn't really that I'm aware of. I don't think there's anything else out there really competing with, you know, for example, inheriting. I mean, that's that alone is pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. No, there is no competitors that are decentralized. 
Yeah. Every other competitor that you could consider a competitor is centralized. Yeah. And, And that's kind of, you know, for example, my style of investing is kind of getting an investment and each new asset that I've added to for it not to be a competitor, for it to be in its own lane where they can all eventually, you know, they're going to be interoperable and working together they're going to work side to side that was yep. kind of a, a thing that attracted me even more so about the whole safe haven inherited thing oh yeah definitely <clears throat> definitely 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 and that's uh i don't know if you did you did you ever watch the podcast i have with larry from uh iotax i i did not that actually was a really i tell you what man they're doing some big things too man larry larry uh he's a hard worker man hard-working guy super super great guy but uh they actually have a lot of good stuff going on too you know they're about keeping your data private and if you want to you know you can monetize your own data at your own pace you know what if if you feel like you want to monetize it sure if you don't want to monetize it you keep it private you know but uh they actually are giving you ways to take back control of your data, you know, because nowadays, you know, you fill out an application for something, guess what? They're selling your information to about 20 other people making money off you, you know? Insane. Absolutely nuts. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's really all I got, guys. I just wanted to get you guys together. Um, you know, I figured... I figured it would be a great conversation between the three of us, for sure. And, um, yeah. But uh, we'll have to definitely do this again. And uh, I guess uh, we'll do it again soon, guys. Hope you, hope everybody's enjoyed the uh, podcast. And uh, I look forward to seeing you guys soon.